attempting to uh, look at uh, the uniqueness of this gospel and how, uh, as you and I are well aware of, when we read through John's gospel, there's a different way of presenting this good news that has been given to uh, humanity. And uh, as we mentioned particularly, that what makes John's gospel unique is that he is writing at a much later date than the other gospels. And so you could imagine the, the next generation of Christians that came up after the first wave um, had a different way of starting to look at things. There were other teachings coming out, there were other influences, there was the, this initial passion to reach the world was starting to settle, and of course persecution was coming, and uh, so John is writing as, as an elder. He's writing to the next generation of Christians that there's certain things we can't lose, there's certain things that must be maintained, there's certain truths that must always be held uh, deep into our hearts. You could imagine there's an ability to know a lot of the right answers. John's purpose is to make sure the heart gets to the right place. Uh, Gospel of John, chapter 3. Uh, we'll begin looking at verses 14 down through 21. John's Gospel, chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. Now, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Verse 19, light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds <coughs> excuse me, will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Let's pray. Father, I pray that uh, you would graciously uh, use me in communicating some thoughts that I believe are important and which John truly highlights. And I pray that in the communication of your good news that we might find ourselves drawn to you. We might find ourselves desiring you. We may find ourselves even delighting in the beauty of what you have done and continue to promise to do. Uh, give us courage today, Lord, as we look in faith to all of your purpose and plan, but also give us confidence that having come to you, we can have absolute assurance of our eternal destiny. In Jesus' name. Thank you, sir. 
Jesus uh, made it clear that he himself is the light of the world. And just as the created uh, sunlight produces life to the world, we find as well that the radiance of Jesus himself provides life and light to all who believe. We, we see in the Gospels the emphasis, uh, as we look at verse 19, that light has come into the world, but men have loved darkness instead of light. And down in verse 21, but whoever lives by the truth, that is the light, will come into this light and experience the life as if it's all in which God has done. John's Gospel speaks Uh, extensively about the beauty of this light. When Jesus uh, came and ministered to humanity, there may be people who have concluded that he's simply a great teacher, an ability to communicate thoughts and ideas. He's able to speak to an intellectual world. He's able to speak to simple folk like you and I. No matter who he spoke to, He was an amazing teacher of communicating thoughts and ideas. But there's so much more to the ministry of Jesus. When he spoke and his presence himself was like light shining in the darkness that's all around. We often wonder, how are we ever going to influence the world around us? How are we going to persuade the world around us? that Jesus is indeed the Savior of the world, we must humbly trust that the same faith and the same grace that began to enlighten our minds is still at work today. And yet you and I must recognize the beauty of all that Christ has done and continues to do. And John takes this thought of communicating as a light that keeps on shining. That light always was and will continue to shine forth. And that light illuminates the mind and exposes the heart. And that's what uh, John is attempting uh, to communicate here. We'll look back at the first chapter. He begins the whole gospel with the concept of this light. And he ties it back to creation itself. When God said, let there be light, and there was light. There is the light that produces life. It is the source of all energy that has been granted to us. And Jesus comes and makes it clear that he is this light. In verse 3 of John chapter 1, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness but the darkness has not understood it. Even John the Baptist in his ministry is clearly presented as he's a witness to the light. Verse 6, there came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. As we uh, consider these things, we need to understand that part of the message that John is saying and the reason why he's stressing the light is because the second generation of Christians were beginning to buy into a new kind of teaching 
And that is that we are flesh, which is true, but because we are flesh, we ourselves are corrupt, and that is reality. In other words, there was a tendency to lean more to spiritual experiences because it's the experiences that are, are able to uh, give us eternal life. And there were other teachings that tied together with uh, these teachings. John is saying that your flesh has been connected with Jesus, and because Jesus lives in you, your flesh is a body or a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so, though darkness might seem to be a common concept of the world around us, because of the light shining in us, we can reflect that light. Later on, we're going to look at some scriptures that you and I are also called the lights of the world because of the Christ that shines in us. So John is creatively using, uh, got to be careful how you say that, the Holy Spirit is using John to communicate a thought that's important that we hold on to, that we are not simply a people who have believed the right answers. We're not simply a people who grab on to ideas, but we are a people that this light is now shining in us. It shines upon us, and it shines through us. You and I have been so influenced by the presence of Jesus that people ought to see, and I trust do see in us, the very light of God shining all around us. Uh, we consider again the, the special emphasis upon this light of salvation. It, it's radiating from Jesus, but it's shining in us and through us. Compare now a couple other scriptures that I believe would reinforce this thought. Turn with me to the Gospel of John chapter 9 and uh, look at verse 5. When Jesus ministered upon the world, there were people that tended to respond positively to him and there were those that were anti-Jesus. And uh, pretty much it's important to know what, what uh, John is talking about in chapter 3 is that there's the verdict or it's the outcome that the light has come and those that want to receive the light receive him positively. Those that enjoy their darkness resisted against him. And so the light creates its own distinction. And one thing that's important to understand is there's people that listen to you when you share your faith and it's not so much whether they like you or don't like you, it's whether or not they are willing to receive the light that comes in your life through Jesus Christ. So Jesus would say, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. If they love me, they're going to love you. It's not so much that we are so lovable, it's because of the life of Christ or the light of Christ that is shining in us. But while Jesus was on this earth, it says in chapter 9, verse 5, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Later on, as we begin to realize that Christ having come and has accomplished his purpose, and he now lives inside of us, that you and I are the light of the world. That's the progression of the gospel. And John is attempting to maintain the sacredness that you and I in and of ourselves are not very bright. We do not possess that light in a sense that we own it or we control it, but the Christ who's come to live in us, when he is at the center of our lives, 
we will continue to reflect this light and we will be the light of the world. John chapter 12, we look at verses 35 and 36. Please turn to John 12, 35 and uh, 36. Then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before the darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he is going. Put your trust in the light while you have it so that you may become sons of light. Just as Jesus was indeed the true light of the world, you and I have a season of time in which that light shines upon you it may be somewhat equated with the grace of God is working upon our lives. And so we have these seasons when the light becomes clear, the light becomes truth, the light becomes a, a, an awareness of the truth of the gospel, and we ultimately have that opportunity and responsibility to embrace the light while you have that light upon us. Now, Jesus, as he's speaking these, he's, he uses this terminology as he's traveling through his ministry for those years, few years that he ministered on earth. He was that light. And that is why we go back uh, to uh, John chapter 3. Uh, turn with me. John chapter 3. And he makes a statement such as verse 17 and 18. For God did not send me into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him, meaning Jesus, is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. It's difficult for some of us to grasp that ultimately our eternal destiny is not based on our performance it's based on our response to the light. And that's something, as we think in terms of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is that Jesus has allowed his light to shine. And for those who desire to allow that light to shine, allow the truth to penetrate, allow the searching uh, uh, light of God to expose who I truly am, there is the basis of this great salvation. That salvation is a gift in which we who have humbly come to a place of being exposed to God have an opportunity to believe that the solution, Jesus Christ, lifted up, has settled the issue of my eternal uh, destiny. And so this light comes and we continually allow that light to do its, its searching job and its uh, deep work. Now, it's important to, to ask ourselves, then why is it important? It's important to note that as the scriptures reveal these mysteries, we might say, okay, but I do believe in Jesus. Do I really need to understand how powerful the light is and how penetrating the light is and the purpose of the light shining. Do we need to know these things? I believe there's several reasons that we can uh, uh, recognize the importance of knowing these, and I trust that you'll bear with me as we attempt to break them down. 
the first thing that I believe is important is that God Himself is the Creator. He's the source of all light. We learn that in the story of creation. And yet we recognize that Jesus claims to be equivalent to that light. He claims to be the one who is light. Uh, let's go back to an Old Testament uh, uh, scripture in Psalm 27 and verse 1. One thing that John's gospel uh, consistently presents to us at a somewhat different level than the other gospels is the real identity of Jesus. It's important to know that we believe that Jesus is God in flesh. It's important to note that the salvation that you and I cherish is not simply believing what he did, but it begins by believing who he is. And that's something the, Europe, the second generations of Christians were beginning to have to deal with because the identity of Christ was becoming cloudy. The truth about the person of Jesus has become somewhat uh, more mystified. They had lost sight of the reality that Jesus is God in flesh. And so when we look in terms of, of emphasizing over and over again the concept of light, it's recognizable like in Psalm 27 and verse 1, that again it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my light. Of whom shall I be afraid? You remember when Jesus also on another occasion said, I am the good shepherd. And yet, throughout the world that you and I live, many people are well aware of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. So when Jesus claims to be the true shepherd, the good shepherd, he's either the greatest blasphemer or he truly is God in flesh. Numerous ones we look at. So it's important to know that there is a true light and that true light is God himself and God has become a man. He has come to dwell upon us. We can look at numerous scriptures that tie together the thought process of the light. But the second thing that closely goes with that is if in fact he is the light of the world, if in fact he is the light of God and he has uh, begun to enlighten us to these truths, then ultimately your responsibility and mine is to walk in that light. And that's what uh, John uh, uses throughout his scriptures, is the Christian life is about following the true light. The Christian life is about allowing the light to light your path. It's, it's allowing the light of truth to reveal the concepts and the mysteries and bring us to a place that we are a people who walk in this light. That's what makes us distinct. That's what makes us unique. That's what gives us an edge to life. That's what gives us clarity to life. That's what gives us purpose, is we are a people that distinctively shine in the world's darkness. Now, as you could imagine, just as Jesus in the brightness of his radiance, he was either loved or he was hated. Very few people were kind of somewhat neutral about him. And ultimately, as you and I journey to life and we allow that light to shine in us and through us and we, uh, we begin to take any kind of a specific stand in life, somebody's going to love you for it and somebody is going to hate you for it. And yet we are called to be a people that are not living in 
the, the, the valleys of the lukewarmness. We are a people that our identity is, is clear and it becomes specific, it becomes directional, it becomes intentional. And I trust that we'd see that. Well, that's an Old Testament concept as well. It's important to know, as we look both at New and, and the Old Testament, that John doesn't come up with new ideas, and uh, the disciples or the apostles didn't come up with new thoughts. The walking in the light has always been equivalent with being the people of God. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 5. Ultimately, we look at this in Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 5. Come, O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Jump over to chapter 60 of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 3. These are prophetic words that have come several hundred years before Jesus came. And so when we see these teachings, any of us who have delighted in God's word are going to identify them as prophetic words. That's important for you and I to understand because not only does the presence of Christ send forth a light that penetrates to the internal makeup of who you and I are, but you and I, uh, because of Jesus Christ and his spoken word, is, is that you and I are a people that live and, and devour the prophetic word of God. God has, has spoken to us. He has revealed his truths. And by feasting upon these revelations is what gives you life. It not only illuminates who you and I are, it reveals to us who we ought to be, but ultimately the determining factor is whether or not these words become the diet of my life. They become the food that I feast upon. They become words that are living and active. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It is a light unto my path. These are uh, familiar ones to us, and so I, I choose to look at some of the more uh, hidden ones in Scripture that these are not new ideas, that we walk in the light as the light begins to reveal and express to us. So our faith in Jesus is we're believing God loved the world so much he gave his only begotten son, who sort of believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That believing is connected with the believing in the Old Testament. It is that because I am called to have this light and walk in it, believing is I will walk in the light of Jesus Christ. Uh, look at chapter 60, 1 through 3. Arise and shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. It's prophetically speaking, first to Jesus as the light, but ultimately to you and I as those in which that light dwells within us. John wants to clearly communicate that you and I are alive in the light that shines within us. You and I are a people that are uh, continually exposed by the, the life of truth in our lives. And as we receive that truth and we cherish that truth, 
we are known to be believers in the true light. We are a people that our relationship with God is so uniquely interconnected with the, the inner person uh, coming alive because of the light uh, shining within us. And so we see numerous uh, scriptures talking about walking in the light. Well, right away, that would touch upon that there's, there were communities in the second generation of Christian that were beginning to believe that as long as I believe the right answers, I get to go to heaven. As long as I sort of hold on to the right ideas of liking the teachings of Christ, but not identifying his, as God in the flesh, also I can do that. There lots of teachings were tying together that these teachings should bring clarity to us. I trust that we might humbly acknowledge that these truths are what creates the sacredness to your life and mine. The beauty of our lives comes is because we are a people that are connected to that light of truth that continues to rest, rest upon us and our, our willingness is to walk in that. Now, one more thing that uh, we might not think may be that big of a deal, but it's important to understand that part of the problem with the second generation is because you could imagine if you uh, played the little game where you whisper in somebody's ear, a, a truce, and pretty soon that person hears what they hear, and they repeat supposedly what they thought, they heard, and by the end of 25 people, you could imagine that sometimes uh, the, the, the thing that comes off the other end is not even close to the original source. Welcome to the second generation, or the generation after generation of following Christ is sometimes the light bulb has become kind of dim. Somehow over the ages that the brightness or clarity of the light has become questioned. Here we are as a people who we trust come to faith in which the same intensity of light that came from Christ still shines and the same intensity within our hearts is just like first generation Christians. But as many of us would say, well, how do you know? Because there's a lot of voices out there and there's a lot of, of, of ideas out there and there's a lot of things that are floating around. Let's look once again at another scripture that I believe is extremely important for us today, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11 and verses 3 through 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we begin looking at verses 3 through 4, then we'll drop down to 13 and 14. The Apostle Paul writes, I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds might be somehow be led astray from your sincere and your pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than though Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. Verse 13 and 14, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ, and no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. 
Satan is clearly presented in Scripture as the prince of darkness, and yet he clothes himself, giving the appearance he is the light. It's so important that you and I understand that as the currents are changing and the movements of teachings are shifting from one side to the other, that the intensity of the light is based upon knowing what's true and what's credible and what's right and knowing where to find it. Uh, look with me in First uh, Peter, the first letter of Peter, going towards the back. And, uh, well, we're going to look at Second Peter, I'm sorry. Chapter 1 and verse 19 and 20. Well, we'll look in 21. Second Peter, chapter 1, 19 through 21. We have the word of the prophets made more certain. And you will do well if you pay attention to it as a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. If there's ever a verse might be encouraged to memorize there is one especially if you found yourself being tempted to think that can you trust your bible maybe you've been tempted to think that i'm not really sure if i'm understanding all the bible teaches and and i and i'm just confused because of all the different teachings and ideas memorize the verse you and i must recognize that as christ came revealing or being light to this world, that you and I must have confidence that the prophetic Old Testament scriptures is more and more evident that the light that was promised is the light revealed and that light will continue to shine in our hearts. It's, it's important to know uh, that to the second generation Christians and on and on and on, that even though it appears to be a great uh, uh, teaching that someone comes up with or a great thought process, maybe it's a new one, maybe it's a little bit different, maybe it, it adds a little bit of this or a little bit of that. The important thing is that light has brought us to a place where we live in the light, we walk in the light, we know the light, but there's always going to be the angel of light giving you a little bit more or trying to take away something. It's important to know. The reason we need to be aware of the light that comes through Jesus Christ is that he is the one and he's the only. And that's what gives clarity to our Christian faith and our devotion to him is because that light has come, it's established, it's granted to us. Jesus makes it clear that he is the light of the world. And what he taught is what you and I need because that purpose of the light, will go back to uh, verse 19 of John chapter 3. John chapter 3, and we look once again at uh, verse 19. All that Jesus taught and all that he promised pertaining to eternal life was to put faith and trust in him 
as the person. That's because of his true identity. It's because of the truth he speaks. It's because of all that he has given to us. But he says uh, uh, an interesting uh, truth in verse 19. This is the verdict. This is the settled issue. This is the final uh, consensus. Light has come into the world, and I trust he's come to you. Light has come, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. I wish I could honestly say to you, when you come to face, the evil part of us is over. I wish I could tell you that when you have that moment of illumination or enlightenment, that the devil no longer can say anything. I wish I could tell you that once uh, you've been exposed, there won't be any more exposures. The Gospel of John is intended to communicate that you and I, because we drag along the old baggage of our yesterdays, and because of our depravity, and because of our human nature, as great as the gospel is, it doesn't completely eliminate or destroy your need or mine to continuously let that light shine. And one thing that John makes it clear is that uh, not only is Jesus the one who began a good work, but he's going to complete it. But it's important to know that the way he communicates the idea of people that defect and leave, he says in 1 John, they were never really among us. Now, that's a mystery in itself, but it's important to know simply to communicate that this light must continually expose us. This light of truth must continually be upon us. And that, I trust, is, is a significant reason why you and I would take time to read the scriptures in between Sundays. We hear the word of God and we constantly know that we need this light continuing to shine. We need this relationship of trust with a person to continually do its work because before next Sunday, some of us may end up in pretty much corrupt thinking and behavior patterns all within moments of life. That does not disqualify us for salvation. It only drives us to the Savior. And that's what John is talking about is, is well, maybe I'll, I'll turn there. Look at 1 John uh, chapter uh, 1. Let's go uh, to his letter because it brings out with great clarity there. We'll, we'll pick up at verse 7. We read that earlier. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. We get to this place where there seems to be a rest within the chapter. And the content is teaching us that we are constantly dependent on the cleansing and purifying process of the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, next week when we partake of the Holy Sacraments, we will be reminded once again of the beauty of the ongoing cleansing of the blood of Jesus Christ. Notice in verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us of all righteousness. He says it again in verse 10. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. 
we need light. We need the exposure. We need the revealing. We constantly need the Word of God to bring about the reality. I depend on a Savior to get to heaven. I depend on His continuous, ongoing cleansing to be right with God. It's not so much the performance itself that will determine the outcome. It's whether or not we have delighted in the performer, and that is Jesus Christ. Have we found our confidence in the person of Christ and the work of Christ? Is he truly our delight and resolve? The pure and simple faith in Jesus Christ, the devotion to him. And as that devotion continues to become established in our lives, you and I will find ourselves not only enjoying the light, we will walk in that light. That's the purpose in which he has come uh, to give. Now, how is that reinforced in a somewhat more practical side? We realize that there's a, a belief system that uh, clarifies us as a people. We believe in the person of Christ, and we believe in what he has done on the cross. Uh, then we consider as we... I'm trying to figure out which scriptures we want to look at. Um, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. The practical side is that... Um, you and I acknowledge a distinction of our uh, walking in that light area. In Ephesians chapter 2, there's a strong emphasis upon grace, which would in some sense be equivalent to the light that shines in us. It's grace that enables us to realize we need a Savior. It's grace that gives us understanding. It's grace that gives us the initial uh, uh, ability to respond to Christ. You and I can't really control how our salvation process works. You and I are simply moved by that grace. Our responsibility is to allow that grace to accomplish what God intends it to be. There's a cooperation of the Spirit. Notice how it's said in Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature objects of wrath. Notice in verse 4, but because of his great love, that's John three sixteen, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. To walk in the light is to delight in God's grace. It's to receive that grace to not only establish our relationship, but to maintain the cleansing work of that ongoing relationship. And that's important to understand that we are aware that it is Christ and his light shining in us, the ongoing exposure of the word of God, that we keep coming back to Jesus, trusting and believing he is going to change us. He's going to transform us. And we humbly say, yes and amen. 
There were numerous other scriptures. The second one that we kind of alluded to earlier is the importance of understanding that light is also not only tied together with grace, but it's also tied together with truth itself. Every time truth becomes real to you or to me, and maybe you've read through the Bible at one point, you found a certain verse, and it means so much to you. That's because the light has enlightened your mind and your heart. We can't create uh, an idea of believing that uh, we can just pick and choose the scriptures we like, even though we do it. It's important to know that the light will illuminate the scriptures that are important for each and every one of us to be transformed and uh, changed. Um, but ultimately, the, the goal behind this light is now in Matthew chapter 5, and let's, let's turn back to there. There were numerous other scriptures we can look at if we stuck to the Gospel of John, but this one is so clear to us that it's important to know that God's intent was to allow His light to shine in you, because we read in John earlier, while I am with you, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. We wonder, why is the world so different today? What makes it unique? The first generation became uh, um, so influenced by the Christian faith. We wonder, why is that influence uh, uh, certainly shifting? There are many people coming to faith in many other parts of the world, and in America, it's rapidly diminishing. The question might be, why? Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. You, me, we all are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise you father in heaven father we trust as we have journeyed through life that we desire that the light of your presence would once again illuminate our relationship with you give us a clarity give us a specific uh, intentional edge to our lives that we might learn to receive that light and let the truth constantly mold and shape us as your children, as children of light, we pray that we would be faithful and not only live in a way that we do not diminish the brightness of your light in us but we pray God that we might discover that you might in fact be speaking very clearly to some of us today that it's time to allow our light to shine more and more. We pray that we might learn the beauty of your gospel and that we might uh, uh, examine ourselves on how we can present the gospel as you attend it. We pray, God, by your grace and the power of your spirit to guide us and empower us. We pray that the world around us, we trust, would be able to hear because We've decided today to let you do that great work. We give you thanks. We give you praise in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a great day.